Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast, and this is Match Week 26. What a goddamn match week we had this week. Uh, I mean, two of the games of the season, potentially. Um, and we get to talk about both of them coming up. But starting off with something something personal from my life. Of course, I'm studying in Copenhagen right now. Um, but I took the weekend to go to Paris, and luckily for me, PSG was playing a home game in the league against Nantes, so I got to I got to pay 150 euro for a ticket, which you know what, if it's funding Messi's contract, so be it. It's absolute bargain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we sat row two behind the net that uh, PSG attacked in the first half, um, and if you saw if. I don't know who is following the League One nowadays, but uh, if you saw the score of the PSG game, it finished 4-2 to PSG, and Messi ended up scoring on our end, which was absolutely unbelievable. I, it was kind of like this... I didn't really say much for the entire game, because I was just trying to, like, just, like, soak in the fact that I was watching Messi live, like, for the first time ever. And, like, just pretty much... I wasn't really watching... The, I I wasn't really watching the game in the way that I've watched soccer for the last 15 years. I've kind of, I was watching the game... The way I was, I would just like, just just watching this one player drift. Even if it was on the other side of the field, because in the second half they dominated the game, and it was like a hundred fifty yards away from me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was still just trying to like make out every like subtle movement, every shoulder check that he had for ninety fucking minutes. Like seriously, there are tech coaches on the PSG team that did not do as fine a job as I did analyzing Messi's game on uh, on Saturday. But that being said, like soccer at that level is just so much more impressive in person because you get to see like like everyone's first touch just looks so much better when it's in person because it's it's just like you're getting it from the field angle. And a couple players stood out to me. Vitinha, unbelievable how good this guy I is. I talked about him at the start of the season, <laughs> how good Vitinha, I thought Vitinha was. I mean, like, he's I so good. He's like, the, yeah, he's like the same size as Messi, and he, they weren't wearing the same cleats or anything. But sometimes I mistook Vitinha for Messi because on the other end of the field, they're the same size, and both their first touches are just so clean. And they're just every time he was whipped in the ball by Danilo Pereira and Ramos like a hundred times in the midfield at like rapid pace. He just took a brilliant first touch and kept it moving. Like he was unbelievable. Uh, Mbappe was rather quiet for the game, I would say. Um, I guess that that's kind of how it goes when your team is kind of backed up and there's not really much space for him behind. But uh, yeah, Messi was Messi was Messi. He had a he had a messy game, um, and he got his goal. And then Mbappe, I didn't even know that Mbappe was tied for PSG top scorer until he scored in the 95th minute to make it four two, and they put up like this big tifo, like congratulations, Killian. Yeah. And I was sitting with my friend Nick watching the game, and I was like. I think he just did something. Like I think he just broke some some record, and then we figured out that he would, became the PSG all-time goal scorer. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the Parc de Prince, I will say, was a little underwhelming. I, I like just not only the stadium. Well, I guess I didn't expect the atmosphere to be great because like no one's like born and bred PSG fan. Like I don't yeah. know. it's just like one of those. Clubs it's not where the you're typical not, like there. Of course, yeah. there are like French ultras amongst the PSG yeah, yeah, fans, yeah. Um, yeah. but. Similar to the city, but they've just developed like a large, you know, share of like plastic fans exactly, who are yeah. really just there, like you for Messi. For Messi, yeah, you exactly, won't be there yeah. if not for Messi. Really, I was sitting, I was sitting and listening during the game to like you know the people around me in the crowd, yeah. and like I heard six or seven American accents. Like mm, they were, yeah. this is a very tourist game. No, uh, yeah, PSG now Especially is a tourist club essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was still an incredible experience. the The stadium itself is not like mind blowing. It's mm-hmm. not like a Tottenham Hotspur stadium. I, from a rich oil rich club like PSG, I was yeah. expecting a little more of like a a fan experience maybe. But it you know it is. I wasn't there to to play you know like small-sided soccer outside the stadium. I was there to see the mad play. So, and that's what I got. I couldn't have asked for more out of the game. Six goals, goal from Mbappe, goal from Messi. Like, yeah, good game. Cannot too. ask for more out of the game. Non, yeah, yeah, yeah. Non, they, yeah. Bring it back yeah, from 2 nothing down. I, I watched the first half. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, couldn't have asked for more. Paris, by the way, very cool city. I would recommend Paris. And I thought uh, French people were like very arrogant towards Americans who like just didn't, even know remotely know the language, but actually I had a pretty decent customer service experience for the most part. So 
I'd like to strike that myth. And I'm sure that it happens, but like, I'd like, I'd like to strike that myth um, when I can. But anyway, we have some football to cover this week, starting off with the Worst Team Wins update. If you're unfamiliar with the Worst Team Wins competition, it is a competition between me and Ethan, season-long competition, where before the season started, we drafted teams in a snake draft style, composing 80 million pounds worth of FPL players. And FPL players have a given value based on how much how many points they accumulate. you got to formulate a team worth at least 80 million. But the catch is, your team has to be worse than the other person's team, meaning they have to accumulate less points than the other person's team. Bit of a reverse draft, if you will. And right now, um, yeah, it's not going, going so well for me. It's going too well if you use the reverse psychology. Anyways, I'll, I'll explain about just as how well it's going for Brayden <laughs> right now. Uh, this is an interesting match week because in the previous match week alone, me and Brayden actually had the same exact score. So both my team, Garnacho Cheese, and Brayden's team, Jesus Died for our top bins, scored 36 points. However, last week we did not include the uh, Wednesday midweek games into last week's tally. So I'm adding that on to this week. And unfortunately for me, Sokka had one hell of a day against Everton last Wednesday. So that was an extra 19 points for my team, and Brayden's team only accumulated an extra two. I'm not even sure who that was courtesy of. Maybe, like, Darwin Nunez, I believe? Yeah, he played against Wolves midweek, so... Anyway, that will bring the season total for my team to 798 points, and for Brayden, a whopping 947. All right, we're getting there, bit by bit. It's good. I'm gonna need a couple, a big last couple of match weeks to cover the ground. But you know, we, I say it every week: journey, journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Nunez is scoring goals though, and that is a yeah, that's an grim issue. sign. That, that I will say is an issue. <laughs> that was not in the plans. However, we will get in to our match week 26 coverage, starting off with Manchester City two, Newcastle nil. Starting off in the 15th minute, Foden picking up the ball on the right side, cutting onto his left, driving straight into the penalty box, and seeing his right-footed attempt deflect off Sven Botman right over the shoulder of Nick Pope for 1-0 in the 15th. Then in the 67th, a tackle on Grealish just outside the 18 finds Holland, who moves the ball on, ball on to Bernardo Silva, uses the little space he has to fire a left-footed strike with just enough venom to beat Pope at his left post to make it 2 nothing, and it would end at that scoreline. 2 nothing to City would be the final. A game that seemed like maybe Arsenal could, could, could gain some ground, Newcastle being a very stingy opponent this season, handled decently well by the champions. Yeah, like you said, as an Arsenal fan, you kind of look down the fixture list for Man City and think this is one of those where maybe... They could have dropped points, but credit to City for getting the job done. In a game where they controlled the balance of play, but never seemed to be in full control of the game. They did get uh, an early goal through Foden, who will be very happy to get back on the score sheet and be back in the team after a fairly lengthy absence from you know regular first-team soccer. Just a combination of injuries and just poor form, and Riyad Mahrez playing really well. But that was a very nice goal for him to stamp his place back out there on the right wing. Um, but Newcastle certainly had their chances. There was the Callum Wilson chance in the first half. And then in the second half, uh, while the game was still 1-0, uh, Eddie Howe made a triple substitution of Willock, uh, Isak, and Alonso Maximon. And immediately, Newcastle had two big chances. You have the Joe Linton chance, which... I mean, perfect ball from Joe Willock. Joe Linton right on the six-yard box, mm. completely whiffs. Yeah. He has to score that. He puts that in, obviously completely changes the game. Two minutes later, Isak had a chance from a tight angle. Ruben Diaz just got his body in there and eventually put it out. Uh, and then right after that, you know, Bernardo Silva came on and made a 2-0 for City and pretty much put the game to bed. But Newcastle were... Definitely in this game and definitely had a chance to steal some points from this one. Yeah, yeah, I think 2-0 doesn't really tell the whole story, although I, I, I almost wish it, it didn't. 
Um, but it, I don't know. It just it seems like I Newcastle's for well, obviously Newcastle's form right now. They were much much. I'll say they were a stingy team. They were de- a unbelievably stingy team in the beginning of the season. It seems like they've trickled off just a little bit in their in their form. Um, but it, I I was hoping to get a little more out of New as an Arsenal fan. I was hoping to get a little more up front from Newcastle in this game, but I feel like the f- goal in the 15th minute, it, you know, Newcastle notoriously just keeping their clean sheets, and that's what gets them points. They lose that in the 15th minute, it just seemed like that kind of, like, broke their game plan a little bit. Um, again, they certainly had their chances to equalize, but um, now the first game between these two was 3-3, um, so kind of expecting a little more of, more of that, but I don't know, it just... New, uh, this this is a Manchester City performance that is reminiscent of a team that wins titles, just yeah. dispatching teams like this at home. Um, it seems like Arsenal, if they were to win this game, would just go down one nothing, score two goals in the ninety first and the ninety seventh, and then <laughs> win it. <laughs> and they wouldn't do it like this. So um, yeah, two definitely two different styles of play, but uh, I, I think that Manchester City deserved it at the end of the day as. I don't think is too arguable. One thing I do want to talk about, though, is yeah. this result. You know, we obviously, in terms of the title race, it's another three points for City. And obviously, as we'll get into, Arsenal, you know, match them this week. So no real change there. But in terms of the top four race, combined with all the other results, the Liverpool win, yes. the Tottenham win, even the Brentford and Brighton wins, this top four race is wide fucking open. Mm-hmm. You got... yeah. The difference on points between fourth place Tottenham and ninth place Brentford is currently seven points, with Brentford having two games at hand on Tottenham. <laughs> if Brentford were to yep. win their games at hand, they would be a point back from Tottenham in fourth place. But then again, if Newcastle were to win their games at hand, they would go two points clear of Tottenham. If Liverpool win their games at hand, they'd go level with Tottenham. Brighton have three games at hand on Tottenham. And they're also seven points back, so it's just a chaos of teams on different number of games played, different number of points, but really it's there for anyone to take right now, and it should be really fun. Yeah, if Brighton, I mean, it's a big if, but if Brighton right now were to win their games in hand, they would take the fourth spot off Tottenham, yeah. given that Newcastle would drop points. So yeah, it's crazy that four through eight essentially and even maybe nine are are now in the title race um in fact the only the closest team that's not in the title race is chelsea football club yeah the top four race (laughs) um but yeah that this i think it's time to talk about that that top four race because it seems like this is the the point in the season where the top four race starts to heat up whether it was distance at one point or not It, it always seems like around march is when we're like okay there's that, oh, nobody wants to get that last, yeah. last top four spot. That that narrative usually comes in right about now. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we'll move on to the big gap between the third best game of this week and then the top two. <laughs> we will move on to, I don't even know which one to go with, but I'll go with this one. Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2, starting off very quickly. Arsenal fans, if you're getting some french fries or a hot dog before sitting down, you might have missed this one. The second fastest goal in Premier League history is coming from Solanke's cross, trickling all the way through to a marauding Philip Billing, who sweeps it in for, again, the second fastest goal in Premier League history. And just like that, Arsenal are losing at home at the Emirates. And it would go to halftime one nothing, And it seemed at that point that Arsenal were kind of just fighting, 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 10 men behind the ball, the classic, you know, title contenders going against a relegation team that goes up one nothing at the title contenders home ground. Uh, you know, pretty standard stuff. And yeah. then in the 57th, they would break that narrative. Uh, Senesi completely losing his marker on a corner kick, which... Again, Arsenal are one of the best set-piece defenders in the Premier League. And then Sinesi goes on and absolutely buries a header straight past Ramsdale, and they go up 2-0 at the Emirates. And for a for a mentality monster team like Arsenal, it certainly took another gear to find the, the how should I say, determination to, to say, okay, we're down 2-0, but 
there's still 30 minutes left in this game. We could score five. We could certainly score three. And they started off rather quickly. Five minutes later, a weak Bournemouth clearing header from an Arsenal corner is headed back in by Emil Smith-Rowe, who replaced the injured uh, Leandro Tosard. So that was kind of a big blow early in that game. Um, but it loops over the heads of the defense and finds Party from very short range, who smashes it in from close range to get the comeback started. Eight minutes later, in the 70th minute, Reese Nelson's first involvement of the game, it would not be his last, uh, sees him stand up across to the back post where Ben White meets it on the half volley, clearing the goal line by a matter of inches, but nonetheless tying the game at two, leaving Arsenal 20 minutes to tie this game. They would use all of it, and some. And then, of course, in the 97th minute, with the last kick of the game damn near, another weak-headed clearance from Bournemouth finds Reese Nelson, who takes the calmest first touch you'll ever see, and absolutely rifles the sweetest left foot volley into the side netting, and potentially erecting a statue of himself outside of Emirates Stadium if it all goes to plan this season, and the roof comes off the Emirates Stadium. And that is just what title winners do, Ethan. Yeah, I, I remember Nelson taking a touch, it hitting the back of the net, me turning to my dad and then the next 10 minutes i really can't remember it all just kind of went very blurry for me i cannot remember what happened after that oh my god i mean just what a goal and that you're right that is exactly what title winning teams are made of those are the types of moments you look back on at the end of the season and think you know that's what propelled us forward it was the moment everybody thought the Welbeck goal against Leicester would be in yeah. 2016. And it always seems like a sign of, you know, a title winner, a title winning team when there is just that one performance against a team you know you should be. It's argued, I mean, this game, before the season starts, at home versus Bournemouth is, on paper, the easiest game on the schedule. It's almost an objective truth yeah. <laughs> that this is objectively the easiest game on the schedule <laughs> uh bournemouth are now sitting bomb of the premier league at home in front of your own fans it should be a walk in the park but in a title campaign shit hits the fan and mm. sometimes you have to rely on you know mere outcasts at times reese nelson he's had three substitute appearances one of them was in the 90th minute i i have the stats here he's played 102 minutes of premier league soccer and he's three goals and two assists that's 20.4 minutes per goal involvement it's some crazy stats honestly it begs the question of whether he should be getting more minutes in this arsenal team especially now that i mean trossard's injured i haven't heard any timeline for his injury. Yeah. Jesus isn't quite back yet. It'll probably take another week or two for him to get back into the starting lineup. And Ketia is still injured, I believe. So, could we be seeing Nelson starting on the left, possibly against Fulham this weekend? Mm, yes, I can say it. I I think, well, obviously Saka takes the right. Without Nketiah, without Trossard. It'd be him I or Smith I think they go Martinelli through the middle and then Emil Smith-Rowe on the left. But Emil Smith-Rowe's fitness is always up for grabs. No matter how healthy he is, he's always 50-50 to play at the weekend. So I, I, I think that they could go with Reese Nelson. It's certainly tough not to, to start Reese Nelson in this emotional state <laughs> that he has created. Um, and he certainly earned it. Like he, he in, in Nottingham Forest game, granted, these are the two worst, two pretty bad teams in the league, but... Um, the Nottingham Forest game, he was very, very good. Um, and then obviously in this game, and he's he's work. He, the narrative out of coming out of training camp is he's worked so hard. He's like, he, and the the team loves him. He's been there for so long. He's Arsenal through and through. So like, it's he's a it's a good story to have him play. I would prefer Emil Smith Rowe just because Emil Smith Rowe is a better player. But I, he's certainly earned minutes. And with so many attacking options injured, assuming Trossard's out, assuming Inketi is out, assuming Jesus isn't back. We should see Emil Smith Rowe getting at least twenty five minutes in the next game. Um, but yeah, this this goal. <laughs> what's funny is that 
Uh, obviously, I was in Paris this weekend, um, and you know, if you're in Paris for a weekend, you you just never you can't run out of touristy things to do. So, I was walking from din- from lunch, late lunch, to uh, the Basilica, which is this uh, church on on top of a hill in Paris that overlooks Paris. Beautiful, beautiful view, um, and. I, as we're walk, I assumed that I we'd be up two nil, three nil, three one, and cruising at this point, so I could turn the game off and just be a tourist. Yeah. But no, I had to kind of like have burn every ounce of data that I bought roaming <laughs> EU roaming data I bought for this trip, <laughs> streaming this fucking game on my phone at two one, then two two, and I walk into the basilica at ninety plus three, and. The obviously it's a it's a church and it's an active church. There was a yeah. service going on, <laughs> and I had to be dead silent. And I'm freaking I'm watching this game on my phone, and then Reese Nelson scores, and I'm, I'm like I have to be silent. I don't know if you saw that uh that clip, that clip of the of the Bayern versus Muchen Gladbach game. Oh yeah, the yeah, support, the silent, the silent uh, supporters. Yeah. That's what it essentially was. That's what essentially was like. I was like. <laughs> and I was, I was the, at the trip I was on. I was with Nick and then my friend um, Emma um, and my friend Maggie, and I was just fucking like jumping around. And Nick, Nick's a soccer fan, so he knew it was up. Mm. But Emma and Maggie were like, "Calm the fuck down," because <laughs> <laughs> we're literally inside a church. They're like singing hymns in the background. <laughs> it, it, it and it was incredible. Yeah, and there's I, a new I, messiah I, I, I to praise to. <laughs> His yes, name is no, Reese Nelson. Way out, I, yeah, I, on the way out, I thanked Jesus Christ for the, whatever God I was closest to that that happened. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is, this is, and I saw uh, some stuff on Twitter about like, oh, like you comparing this to the Welbeck thing. The thing about the Welbeck goal was that that goal kept them in the title race. Yeah. This one is like, can, we can do it. That this is like the, this is a moment that mm-hmm. could like, that we could turn back on in May and say this did it, you know this or this 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 was a pivotal game because if this didn't happen, it will never happen. Which you could almost say about the Welbeck goal, but with that atmosphere at the Emirates this year and the way this team is playing, like it, when that Welbeck goal went in, you were still like, okay, it it seems like it's Leicester's year, but this might make it a little bit harder for him with this goal. This this it's just like you can see it at the end of the season when you when you watch the Arsenal documentary that this this goal is going to be one of those scenes. That's what I'll say, and I think that's what a lot of um, Arsenal fans were saying on Twitter. But yeah, this one as an Arsenal fan, it just so easy to get emotional about this team this year, and this certainly was one of them moments, especially off the back of the freaking Aston Villa moment. Yeah. Um, just unbelievable. Unfreaking believable stuff. And we got to go again next week. Uh, what, 12 games left? 11 games left? Like, 13. 13. 13 games left. Okay. I was kind of hoping it was less than that, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, matching 26, right? Yeah, I guess 13. Actually, no. Um, 12 then. 27. Yeah, 12. 12, yeah. Um, But yeah, this one... It's one of those you you kind of never forget as an Arsenal fan. Um, you, you don't have those Champions League moments to look back on, especially if you're a fan of my age and my brother's age sitting next across from me. But yeah, um, we got to move on. We got to stop being emotional about Arsenal because we got a fucking other game to cover this week that somehow, some way, was marginally better than the one we just covered. I'm gonna pause before saying this because. I need to get as much enjoyment out of saying this enjoyment out of saying this as I possibly can. Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Starting off in the 43rd minute, believe it or not, it took them 43 minutes to score their first goal in a 7-0er. Robertson, who played a brilliant game of football on the day, slides in a beautiful ball inside Dallow to find Gakpo, who baits Varane, cuts in on his right. And buries it into the bottom right corner for one nothing halftime hits one nothing Liverpool. Forty seventh minute, just after halftime, United sloppy in possession, leading to a sharp cross from Elliott being turned in by Darwin Nunez. Darwin Nunez getting on the board again, making it two nothing. And then in the fiftieth minute, three minutes later, I'm not going to describe this goal because if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I am I'd be doing it a disservice to. To, to describe it via audio. If you have not seen it, 
Go watch it. If you have seen it, you know what happens. I don't need to describe it. All you need to know is Gakpo scored it, and now it's 3-0. 66th minute, 66th minute hits. Another fierce Liverpool counter leads to an errant Nunez pass deflected straight back to Salah because that's the type of day it was for Manchester United, who instinctively volleys an absolute rocket off the bar with his weak foot. At 4-0, it is officially an ugly scoreline. Oh, how United fans would end up wishing it stayed just merely ugly. In the 75th minute, United clearance from a set piece finds Henderson, who whips it back in, finding the head of Nunez, who contorts his body to delicately glance the ball into the far netting. It is now 5-0 Liverpool. 83rd minute hits. Elliot, who has all kinds of space on the right, and by the way, when Elliot has a good game, shit is going <laughs> to hit the fan very quickly. Um, and he plays it into Firmino, who was just subbed on. But it gets cleared off the back of Firmino by Luke Shaw, finding Salah, who makes no mistake from six yards out. It is now 6-0, to zero, Liverpool. 88th minute hits. Salah slips in Firmino behind the defense. That absolutely cannot be bothered to function any longer. Needless to say, Firmino ends up slipping the ball past De Gea on a cutback shot to make it seven. Siete. What more can you really say, Ethan? I really don't know if there is much more to say. <laughs> um, I do want to go back and talk about that third goal because how can we not? It was just, it was just perfect. It really just was perfect. The way Salah completely turns around Lissandro Martinez and not only that and then sits him down completely <laughs> puts him in a spin cycle obviously I'm sure everyone's seen the you know perfectly timed image of Lissandro Martinez just completely looking the wrong way and then once Lissandro Martinez actually realizes you know what's going on gets his head back on straight then Sala sits him down and then slips in Gakpo how on earth does Gakpo score from this angle <laughs> The the weight I mean, and angle I, of this touch has to be so yeah. precise. I, I have no idea how he scored this. It's just one of those days. The, I was watching it with Nick because I was still obviously in Paris. We sat down in a bar and watched it, which was full of both Liverpool and Manchester United fans. Mm. Two very different emotions on the day, obviously. Um, and I just turned to him and I was like, you know, this is the type of player Gakpo actually is. This is This is like he's just this talented, but we just he didn't bother to show up for the first couple of weeks he was here. Like now, this is act, like I'm afraid that he is actually hitting his his regular form. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this could be an issue now. Um, if he hits his, you know, his his former form, this this is now an issue. Um, same with Darwin Nunez. Same with Mo Salah, by the way. If he if any of them hit the form that they were prior in, that they were in at some point, uh, yeah, th- this could now be an issue for the Premier League. Um, we will see, because it seems like all three of them were pretty dry for a long period of time, so I'd find it interesting to think that they'd snap into it after one game, but seriously, maybe a 7-0, it, may, it might take just about a 7-0 to, to get them all out of that funk. Um, but yeah, that all three of them. Mo Salah seemed like, it seemed like vintage Mo Salah. He was creating space, he was 1v1s, all that shit. Um, Gakpo, I said it seconds ago, like... He is the driving force for not only his old club but his nation in the in the World Cup. Like he is that good. And when he transferred to Liverpool, everyone said, Oh shit, this is a great transfer for Liverpool. And this that's that's the Gakpo they got on Sunday. And of course Darwin Nunez is a natural born and bred goal scorer who wasn't scoring goals and now he's scoring goals. So if this three decides to be fucking fantastic, this could be an issue. Um We'll see, but now, but it could be an issue. Yeah, obviously, like you said, Gapo and Nunez, if they start hitting form like they did in this game, it is going to be a serious, serious problem for the rest of the Premier League. But it's just one of those, like I said before, it's just one of those days. You know, you don't win 7-0 against a team like United, who were one of the best teams, still are one of the best teams in Europe based off of form since yes, you know, absolutely. the turn of the year. You don't beat them 7-0 without everything going your way. You look at the two <laughs> solid goals. Solid was absolutely fantastic today. 
and the finish on his first goal was phenomenal. But both of those had a very strong air of fortune. Yeah. Um, the first goal passed from, I think it may have been Gakpo or maybe Elliot, um, completely deflected off of McTominay right into the path of Salah. The second one was a clearance right into Firmino's knees, and then it just fell right into <laughs> Salah's feet, who, you know, scores and takes his shirt. Imagine that, by the way. You've just conceded yeah. a sixth goal, and Salah's <laughs> taking his shirt off. <laughs> I think At he, number he's six. always planned. Yeah, he just he always planned to take his shirt off for his uh his goal. He was just praying yeah. that they weren't behind by multiple goals and or up by multiple goals at the time, and that that just happened. Now, obviously, it's understandable because that was the goal that broke uh the Liverpool Premier League all time yeah, yeah. scoring That's record. Saying, yeah. But even for Mio's goal, this the seventh goal, which meant nothing other than you know just yeah. personal significance for for Mio because. He just hasn't scored in a while. Yeah. <laughs> They're celebrating like it was... does a, not score at Anfield yeah. very often. <laughs> celebrating like a last-minute winner, and you just got to sit there while there's a fucking party going on, and <laughs> you've just been absolutely humbled. It is... Obviously, we're yeah. both soccer players. We know the feeling of you yeah. know, when your team's just getting absolutely shit on. And, yeah. But we certainly haven't had to deal with getting shit on in front of 50,000 laughing. Yeah. Rival supporters. Millions watching at home. Everyone (laughs) laughing in your face. So Yeah. Um, yeah, this one this one has is the air of an all time classic, certainly, and one that will be referenced back to at least for the rest of this season, probably beyond. Um, by multiple by uh by certainly by the Liverpool fan base. Um as maybe this might be as if it if the season goes south for them or farther south than it has gone, one of their only saving graces. Um, yeah, I mean, but that being said, go ahead. I mean, if you truly look back upon it, they've had one Premier League title ever, and it was a runaway. <laughs> you know, when yeah. it wasn't like a Man City twenty twelve where they have that Aguero moment. They were just yeah, yeah, yeah. miles better than everybody else. So in terms of singular Premier League results. This could be their just most iconic of yeah. all time. It's it, it's it all it's really weird when you talk about like these crazy numbers that like they put up nine against Bournemouth this year. Like if you look you look at this season and you look back on it in five years and you go yeah like the two biggest margins were both by Liverpool nine nil against Bournemouth and seven nil against Man United. You'd say okay, so they won the quadruple, right? Man, fish in top no. four. <laughs> no, they they finished sixth actually, um, behind Newcastle and Brighton. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's just it's just an odd that they, they I I call them the Newcastle the uh the Crystal Palace of the top six. Like, yeah, Crystal Palace. Maybe they wouldn't go on and put seven past United, but fucking they they certainly could have days like this. Um, but with that, we'll finish out match week twenty six by recapping some of the rest of the scores from around the ground, starting off with Chelsea 1, Leeds United 0. Woo! All right. Chelsea not only, not only put the round inflated soccer ball into the the square goalposts, which has been just a massive issue for them since the start of the new year. But the game finishes and they had more goals than their opponent, which means they get all three points on the day. Seems like a, and a simple Graham concept, po- <laughs> but it took a while Potter to get it right. had to, had to have this explained to him after <laughs> the game because he, he forgot what it was like. Um, but yes, needless to say, uh, it was not a striker that did it. It was Wesley Fofana. Um, but, yeah. All right, enough, enough banter. Yeah. Good win against a, a Leeds United team that's desperate. Um, this is not a, a game that will kickstart, that it looks like it will kickstart a terror form for Chelsea. But that being said, a win is a win is a win is a win, especially for Chelsea, especially right now. Aston Villa won, Crystal Palace nil. A Yaki Manderson own goal in the 27th gives Aston Villa all three points at home. Check to Corey. Siek to Corey? Siek, check to Corey? 
not sure what his, how to pronounce his first name. I apo- apologize to Mr. DeCore. Um, but he picked up a red card in the 62nd, um, making it much harder for new, uh, Crystal Palace to equalize on the day. Also, wait, just, just one Brighton thing four. before we move on from Crystal yeah. Palace. Just, an, just another just crazy anomaly. <laughs> Again, like we always talk about how Crystal Palace are just made the FC. They haven't yeah. moved from 12th since for like a couple months they haven't straight they've been between 10th and 13th since october like the beginning of october they haven't been outside (laughs) of the range between like 10th and 13th but they also haven't won a game this year (laughs) their last win was (laughs) december 31st and somehow they haven't moved since the turn of the year and they haven't won a game I don't. <laughs> I guess point per game is like, or a, a near point per game is like okay for mid table. Yeah, well, they're on twenty seven points on twenty five games. So if you stay around point per game, you're probably not going anywhere for the most part. If you stay in the middle of the table, but it's still yeah, they, they're showing they're earning their title this season. Crazy. Well, well done, Palace. Anyways, <laughs> I just had to get that <laughs> off my chest. Go on. Sure. Um. Brighton for West Ham nil a thumping of West Ham by Brighton on the south coast starting off with a McAllister penalty in the 18th Veltman in the 52nd that man Kaoru Matoma in the 69th and then that guy Welbs in the 89th gotta love a that guy Welbs goal um always classic hard. Brighton performance which is you know Interesting to say. It still feels weird saying classic Brighton performance, 66% possession, nine shots on target. They're, they're playing, you know, big six football outside the top six and are just as in this title race as anybody inside this four to eight range. Um, certainly with performances like that. Wolves won, Tottenham zero, Adama Traore, the difference in the 82nd. This is this is just a classic. This 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 feels like 2020. This feels like 2019. <laughs> One nothing Wolves at the Molyneux at Domitriori 82nd minute winner minute winner. That's that's just a classic game. Love to see it. But yeah, yeah, and uh Tottenham win on possession, which means they just simply can't pick up all three points. So we stick to that narrative. Um and Wolves pick up all three and throwing a monkey wrench again to that top four race. Southampton won Leicester City nil. A massive, massive three points for Southampton, completely blowing this bottom six race, bottom three race, wide the fuck open. Bournemouth now on 21, Southampton now on 21, leapfrogging Bournemouth. Everton on 22, having played an extra game. Leeds just outside on 22, just on goal difference on 25. West Ham on 23, two points separating West Ham in 16th and Bournemouth in 20th, three points separating Bournemouth in 20th with Leicester City in 15th. This is all to effing play for in the bottom of the table, and these are games that will that might end up making the difference. Southampton were clear, like points clear in 20th, and now they leapfrog Bournemouth after the result at the Emirates for Bournemouth. So that both the, the Southampton winner... Um, from Al- Alcaraz, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and then the, the Reese Nelson winner just completely flipping everything on its head. Um, but yeah, that that is certainly something to watch going down the stretch. Nottingham Forest two, Everton two, draw from two teams battling relegation for the most part. Um, Everton that was uh, that game put them like like I said a game up over everybody else in the bottom six. So now they have to sit back and wait and see whatever what everybody else does um, in the next match week before they can consider themselves, you know, they can see where their status is. But yeah, you'd think that both of these teams would have liked to, especially having, you know, two goals when you're in the bottom six race, you should probably hopefully get uh, three points out of that. Scoring two goals in the game for, for these guys is not yeah, necessarily the easiest everything. thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brendan Johnson at the double, and then Damari Gray and Decore for um for Everton. So yeah, this was certainly a game that I, I maybe both teams would have thought they they could have won, but it ends up with the points split. And then finally, 
Brentford three, Fulham two, Pinnock, Tony, and Jensen for Brentford. Menar Solomon, who has been on fiery hot what form for, for Fulham. Um, and then Carlos Vinicius in the 90th plus nine as a consolation to make it 3-2. Um, but 64% to 36% in favor of Fulham in this game. Certainly a little bit telling, but Tony on the score sheet again. This Brentford team... Always putting up a fight in almost every game they've played this season. It's certainly very remarkable. Uh, you know, season recap for for Brentford. Little season recap for Brentford so far. They last season they were not the team they were this season. Um, but Frank has done, you know, almost wonders. I I would say wonders with this team. And and even in, in games where they have thirty six percent possession and you know even amount of shots on target, they find ways to win. And yeah. that's usually I'm talking about Fulham when I talk about that, but this time it was Brentford. They're right in the race for um, European spots. Yeah, exactly. And that should be interesting going down the stretch again. And that will round out our Match Week 26 coverage onto our Match Week 26, 27 coverage, I should say. Starting off with the goal picks, if you are unfamiliar with the goal picks, it is a season-long competition between me and Ethan, another season-long competition between me and Ethan, where each match week, before the match week happens, we look forward to the games coming up, and we try to pick out three players that are going to score in the upcoming match week. The catch is that the other person can block three players. If the player that I pick is blocked by Ethan, Ethan gets to choose the player that plays for me that week instead of the player that I wanted. Would you like to give me your picks, Ethan? Or would you like to give me the update? Up I would like to give the update first because sure. they're going to look very favorable for me. Uh, big <laughs> bounce back week for myself. I was on a big uh, goal drought. I don't think I've had a goal in maybe like three weeks. So I desperately needed a goal or two. And instead I got three. Two courtesy of Brennan Johnson. What a pick that proved to be. Wow, One yeah. courtesy of Ivan Tony. Brayden, you did, however, get one goal, courtesy of Kairu Matoma. So this week wasn't a total wash, but a net two-goal extension of my lead over the course of this competition this season. My goal's total this season is 21, and Brayden's is 15. So a six-goal gap at the moment. Now would you like to give me your picks? I would indeed. So my first pick is a bit of an obvious one and it's marcus rashford um definitely didn't score last week he mm. doesn't score at anfield but united rarely do but i definitely think he'll be back to his regularly scheduled scoring every week form i feel pretty confident that he'll score against uh southampton who are capable of surprises but are still shit pretty much um, <laughs> there's not many other ways to say it. Uh, the only question will really be whether or not you picked him. Which brings us mm. to my second pick, Erling Holland. Yeah, I've really mm. gone bigger, gone home. There's a good chance I go home. Trying to but, slip one in on me. Yeah. But I'm already here, yeah. <laughs> Usually you've gone for Holland every week. I'm, I don't think you've picked him in a couple of weeks. Maybe you have and I'm just blanking. Maybe you've gone back to picking Holland. I guess we'll see, but Holland's always a good pick if he's not blocked. And since I've gone big or gone home, I've gone big with my third pick too, which is Harry Kane at home against Nottingham Forest. Kane is one of the only thing good things going for Spurs at the moment. So at home against a vulnerable side defensively should be getting a goal. I'm expecting one or two blocks here, but honestly, if I get one of them, I'll be happy, and I don't think you've blocked all three. This is an interesting strategy you've gone for this week, and this, I, this is one of the few weeks where I haven't just said, I'll pick the th three of like the top five and just like if he if he sneaks in like uh, somebody, if he gets two goals from, I don't know, Brennan Johnson, <laughs> like so be it. But this week, you could have two. All right, this I'll take that. I'll I, take that. <laughs> I, Big like, time. Looking back, my blocks from last week, like a couple weeks ago, Holland, Rashford, Barnes, Holland, Kane, Rashford. Wow. <laughs> I literally did Holland, Kane, Rashford in Match Week 22. Um, 
Holland Watkins Wilson, Holland Kane Rashford in match week 19, Holland Rashford Mitrovich from match week 18. So usually I just go with like, okay, if you're going to beat me, beat me with the littler guys. This week I went with Rashford Nunez Watkins. So you can't have Marcus Rashford, but you can have Erling Holland and you can have I'll take that um, any day. Harry Kane, which, you know, <laughs> if you're trying to defend against a, a Braden comeback in this competition, it certainly helps to have those two. And who can I have instead of Marcus Rashford? You can have Stuart Armstrong going Let's against. Go. I think it's uh, the worst defense <laughs> from last week. Yeah, um, another seven incoming. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my picks this week will be starting off with Alexander Izak. I'm hoping he gets the start against Wolves at home. Wolves, nice clean sheet win at the weekend, but I'm thinking that this week Newcastle might have a bounce back performance at home. Playing at St. James as there always seemed like to be a different team at St. James. So um, going with Isaac, I think Wilson might start over him, but I'm hoping that Isaac actually played a decent game when he came on. So I'm hoping he gets a start. Yeah, I don't know. I think Wolves. I think with Newcastle not having one in five games, Eddie Howe definitely mm-hmm. may look to change some things up. So I think if Isaac was ever going to get a chance in the first team, this mm-hmm. would be it. Second, I'm going with Kelechi Iheanacho, home versus Chelsea, because, let's be honest, I think Chelsea, um, on the defensive form they're on, especially without Thiago Silva, are going to be a bit leaky. Um, and Leicester City haven't scored a goal in three weeks, so I'm thinking that they might be due in some sense. Um, and Iheanacho has been decent this season going forward. So I'm going to go with Kelechi at home against Chelsea. And finally, I'm going to go with Marcus Rashford, because... He's a pretty good footballer, and he's got a pretty favorable matchup this week. So, who can I have? You can have all three. All right. Neutralizing your Rashford pick. Yeah, you or, didn't neutralize Not neutralizing. I almost, well, I almost mm-hmm. wish that I got one of the other two so I could neutralize the Rashford one, but it's okay. Yeah, I went for Kulosevsky, Foden, and Cody Gakbo. So... Okay. Enjoy your Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't even thought about Kulishevsky in a while, honestly. I, I'm, not a, I'm not up in the, the Spurs recently, but... Anyways, we will move on to our Match Week 27 predictions. And this week, we're not going to do necessarily game predictions because we looked at the upcoming Match Week. There's not really too many marquee matchups. It, it's, we, we could do a general prediction, but instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the upcoming Match Week and we're give a little bit of a hot take. Little bit of a, a spicy, unpopular opinion about the upcoming match week. So, Ethan, would you like to hit the people with your unpopular opinion for this upcoming match week? Yeah, I have Everton one, Brentford nil. Uh, Brentford, who are unbeaten in fifteen Premier League games, the second longest unbeaten wow. run in all of Europe. I think that's going to come to an end this weekend at the hands of Sean Dyche's Blue Army. Uh. Brentford thrive on the counterattack, and they will be doing none of that <laughs> because they're <laughs> up against Everton. So <laughs> they're not going to be able to play on the classic counterattack with the front two of Tony and Mbumo. Tony holding the ball up, Mbumo running off him. It runs like clockwork, but I don't think they'll be able to work on the counter too much. Then again, Brentford are a quality side. They definitely can score goals without the use of the counterattack, but I have a feeling it just won't be their day. Uh, Everton have been relatively good at home. I know they lost to Aston Villa uh, two weeks ago, but they've also beaten Leeds and Arsenal at home, so they're definitely capable of a shock. Of course, the fans will be behind them as they need to be in a relegation battle, and I think they're going to pull it off. So there's my spicy <laughs> prediction. That I could, I, I could definitely see it. Uh, at home, obviously, at Goodison is a different animal, especially after the, uh, the sacking of Lampard. So yeah, I could definitely see it. I, Tony, uh, Tony and Brentford have just been very, very hot recently in terms of goals per game. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to say I can't see it. Not no pushback from my end. My prediction for this week is that Liverpool are going to drop points when they go to Bournemouth after their Ooh. biggest win of the last maybe couple of years on, you know, not biggest win, but like most impactful win. Um, so I'm going to say Bournemouth won, Liverpool won. If you look back on Liverpool season, they have usually their their good performances have been 
immediately followed by bad performances, a little bit of a hangover performance. Um, if you look back on uh, Liverpool 1, Man City 0, their next game, they lost to Nottingham Forest. Um, so this this game just has a little bit of a, a hangover feel to it. The last game is at Anfield. This one is not. Seems like they might have used up a little bit of their emotional energy. on uh, Too much of their emotional energy, I should say. Um, and they will stumble a little bit. Now, that being said, we haven't seen the form of their top three that we just saw. Um, so maybe if they continue that form, if this, this kick starts something for that top three, they'll, they'll have an easier day. But I just feel like this Liverpool team has been so inconsistent this season, and there's really, I'll say, no reason for me to believe that that should stop until I'm proven wrong. So I'm going to say that their inconsistencies will continue, and they will drop points to Bournemouth. And Jonathan Morley, I don't know if you know who that is on TikTok, but he will have a field oh, yeah. day with this performance. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's my prediction for this week, which I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with. But, hey, prove me wrong, Liverpool. Prove me wrong. And that will lead us into our closing segment for this week, which will be a little game that we have planned between me and Ethan. And that game is called Football Tic-Tac-Toe. So here's how it works. If you think of a tic-tac-toe board as a little bit of a, a grid, if you will, and each column and then each row corresponds to a team so in the first column will will be for example the teams will be the big six teams so let's say arsenal in the first row um or first column united in the second column city in the third column so each of those i guess three boxes underneath those three teams will be technically arsenal united and then city and then in the cross sections so in the rows will be the other three teams so each box will correspond to a cross-section between two teams, if you will. So the way the tic-tac-toe game works is that you randomize the teams, and then you put the teams into the, the rows and columns, which creates this grid, each box corresponding to two teams. In order to claim that, you know, like an X or an O, in order to claim that box, we'll take turns, and you need to name a player that is played for both of those teams, past or present player, that is played for both of those teams. If you get it correct, you claim the box. If you get it wrong, you pass your turn on to the next person. So it's a little bit of a football knowledge-based game. We'll do just the top six, and then maybe we can mix it up, throw in some, some teams from the other European leagues if we have time. How does that sound? Sounds good. And if you didn't understand that, I'd recommend you just pause the podcast and go on TikTok and look it up. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's very entertaining on TikTok, um, I will say. So let me pull up a randomizer. So in, we'll try to explain this, but I'll put them in and then I'll explain this as best I can. Man United in the first column, Arsenal in the second column, Liverpool in the third column, and then in the first row going down will be Spurs, then City, and then Chelsea. Okay, so to visualize this best, I'll explain what the boxes are. So in the top left box, if you're imagining a tic-tac-toe grid, nine boxes, the top left box is Spurs and United, Top middle, Arsenal Spurs. Top right, Spurs Liverpool. And then middle left would be United City, and then so on. So I'll try to narrate, for the, for the audio, we'll try to narrate this game as best we can, but a little bit of rock, paper, scissors, see who goes first. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. All right. Okay, I won. So I get to go first, and I will go with the middle box, City Arsenal. I will go with Bakary Sanya. Okay, I am going to take the box right above that, um, and that's Spurs Arsenal, so I'm going to go for Sol Campbell. Okay. So right now, the middle, middle box, which is Arsenal City, was taken by me, and then the one just above that, Arsenal Spurs, was taken by Ethan Sol Campbell. So now, I'm going to go for... United Spurs, and I'm going to go with, ooh, am I blanking right now? You know what, let's go, <sighs> shit, I'm trying to think, Chelsea, Liverpool, Chelsea, 
Okay, let's go. Let's go Liverpool, Chelsea. We'll go Raheem Sterling. So I did um, the bottom right box. So now I have middle and bottom right. Now Ethan has the opportunity to do his play. All right, well, obviously I want to block you, and that spot to block Braden would be United Spurs. But I, too, am blanking on a player who's played for both United and Spurs. You have this, you have, uh, we'll say, uh, like, one minute time limit, we'll say. Okay. I, I can get a timer going. All right, one minute starting now. I actually have a United Spurs player. Oh, shit, okay. Well, then I definitely need that. I need this. <laughs> Uh, oh god, <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> okay, wingers. Where's the United? Twenty-five seconds. Ooh. Okay. Um, Andy Cole. Maybe you play for both. <laughs> okay. It's just a shot. In the um. Dark. <laughs> Andy Cole. We'll look it up. I don't. Andy Cole. Did. Wikipedia. He. Played for Arsenal, Newcastle, United, City. He did not play for Tottenham Hotspur, unfortunately. Well, so then pass it over to me. And to seal it and get the three in a row, I will go top left, Manchester United Spurs, Christian Eriksen. Oh, my God. (laughs) Christian Eriksen, Tottenham Hotspur legend, goes to Inter Milan and ends up back. At Manchester United, giving Brayden the clean sweep victory. And you know what? Before we do, before we go into the other European clubs, we'll do we'll do a little bit of a, a, a rerun on this one because I like this one. Okay. And we could we could do a little uh, we can um what's it called? If we reset the boxes, we'll get a couple new um what's it called new matchups. So let me randomize again. Hopefully, those at home are playing along as well. And just screaming at Ethan, Christian Eriksen! <laughs> it's Christian Eriksen! Um, okay, so we'll start off top right with City. Then United. Then Spurs. And then, obviously, you can't use any of the players that we just had. Um, then Arsenal. Then Liverpool. And last but not least... Chelsea. Okay. So I started first last time. You can go first this time. All right. Um, United. I'm United Liverpool. I'm gonna go Michael Owen in the middle. Michael Owen is good. I am going to go for City Chelsea. And go with Frank Lampard. All right. So I'm going to go for the box right under uh, Michael Owen, which is United Chelsea. So I'm going to go Nemanja Matic. All right. So Ethan now has the middle middle and bottom middle. So And I have the bottom left. So in order to block him, I need to go just above those two with Arsenal United. And I will go with a sad one, Alexis Sanchez. Strategically, I'm now realizing that Arsenal United ones were definitely you're definitely more likely to get than United Chelsea ones. So. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take the City Arsenal box, which will block Brain in two places actually. So it's a double whammy, and I'm going. There's a lot I could go for. I'm gonna go for Samir Nazari. Samir Nazari is good, and to block Ethan, I must go bottom right. With Spurs, Chelsea. And that player will be... I think Spurs just throws a monkey wrench into all this because <laughs> nobody really wants Spurs players. <laughs> For the most part, honest. no. <laughs> and throughout history, like there's not many overlapping players with Spurs. That being said, I will set the timer for one minute. And go... Uh, fuck, five seconds. I'm trying to think. Fuck. All right. Time's up. If you got one, it's yours. I think I mentioned a minute, too. All right. Minute on the clock for Spurs-Chelsea. Spurs really fucking suck. We're taking Spurs out of the next (laughs) one. 
for the last Spurs one. are confirmed, not big six. <laughs> um, all right, let's. Because the thing is, I've had an extra minute to think about this too. <laughs> for those listening, we will cut out the the dead time, so you don't have to sit there and and think for a minute with us. Um, so we'll say a minute, but it won't sound like a minute on the uh, uh on the audio. But it does give them time to scream at Ethan or at me too. Ten seconds. Nicholas and Elka. I know. I know he played for Chelsea. Maybe there's a chance he played for Spurs. I don't think he did, but he played for everybody. All right. So, to Wikipedia. <laughs> Anelka played for. I know he did Arsenal. I think definitely Chelsea. PSG, City, Arsenal, Real Madrid, PSG, Liverpool, City. Chelsea. He never played for Spurs. Damn, we both. This lose. box is officially vacated. Um, in order to block Ethan for, I can at this point without getting Spurs Liverpool, I cannot win. So in order to block Ethan from potentially winning, I will take uh, City Liverpool, and I'll go with James Milner. All right, so nobody wins. Uh, oh, actually, no. <laughs> Technically, oh wait, well no. No one wins because neither of us could get Spurs Chelsea. So in the interest of time, let's move on to the European version. We'll keep who what what two teams should we keep from uh wanna keep um, Chelsea and City? Yeah, that sounds fair. Alright, we can do that. Um so we'll keep Chelsea and City. We'll throw in Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors for the best two out of three. Even though you would need to tie to tie the yeah. entire thing. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ethan All wins. Right. Ethan goes first. All right. Barca, Real Madrid, right in the middle. I'm going with Luis Figo. Luis Figo is good. So Ethan goes right in the middle, takes control of the board. I'm going to go with... Munich Juventus Mateus Delict. Good pick. Good pick. All right. That was bottom right, by the way. <laughs> um Juve Real Madrid, which is the bottom middle. I'm going to go for Alvaro Morata. Sure thing. So now I need to go top middle to block Ethan, and that box is Real Madrid United. And I will start the timer for a minute. Real Madrid United. Oh, easy. David Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> David Beckham is good. On to Ethan. All right. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to take the left center uh box which is Barca Chelsea and I'm going to go with a very recent one Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso is good. That means I must go Munich and Barca for a block and I will go with Philippe Coutinho. Mm. Philippe Coutinho is good. On to Ethan. All right. Um, Chelsea. I'm gonna go Chelsea Juventus. Um, and that's the bottom. Uh, that's the bottom left corner, and I'm going sure. to go with. Uh, I just had a name. Oh, Dennis Zakaria. Currently on loan Dennis at Zakaria Chelsea is good. from Juve. Not sure. If Ethan intentionally meant to do this, but he's now giving me Munich United for the win. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit of a brain fire for Ethan. He is going for territorial expansion rather than three in a row, having taken the bottom two, bottom left two on the right and middle left two um, in the middle. But he has st- maybe strategically left me a winner in Munich United. So I'm going to start the clock, and if I can get a Munich United player, I win. 
And I have a Munich United player. Shit. His name is Bastian Schweinsteiger. And that will do it. Ethan, you're a very bad tic-tac-toe player. Yeah, I couldn't think of a Munich United player. And for some reason, <laughs> I I just didn't re- I didn't realize that you had the two places below the Munich uh, United yeah. square. So I thought that I had you, that I like, completely had you, that you'd have to go in one place and I'd have the other <laughs> to win it. So, yeah. Uh, tic-tac-toe is not my thing. <laughs> it's not everyone's thing. Anyways, that will round out our podcast for this week. Um, I usually see some very interesting fixtures coming up, but this week, some very on-paper tame fixtures this week. That often makes a fool out of me because, you know, it's often these weeks where shit goes south for everyone because everyone takes their games for granted. But on paper, this should be a very tame match week. I don't expect it to be by any means. But with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.